Hey, this is Bruce. I'm the pastor of the Word Church, Kimberley. I'm so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I trust that Jesus will speak to your heart, that you'll be strengthened with faith, and that you'll experience the breakthrough that you're looking for. Enjoy the message. All right, let's get into the Word. You ready? Woo! I remember one time uh, at our school, we had a preacher who came. And he taught us that, uh, I don't know how we'll get this into our culture, but at the school, he said, every time you open the word, you must go, wow, wow, because you're about to, about to read, um, to hear God's word. We were also taught that no matter, wh- whenever you open the Bible, have a pen, because God is about to speak, all right? Even if it's John 3.16. How many of you guys thought you heard John 3.16, and then years later, you catch something that's just a little bit different that you've never heard before. Really? How many guys? Okay. All right. I remember last week, no matter what question, some people just wouldn't lift up their hands. How many guys today aren't going to lift up your hands no matter what I ask? Anyone? There we go. Okay, great. Okay, so let's go to uh, where, where we'll start. Maybe let's read that. Let's go to Psalm 115, and I don't know, let's read it, Psalm 115, which Bible am I going to read out today, let's, let's do the old school one, okay, Psalm 115, verse 16, let's read that, we'll amplify it, the heavens are, are, the, are the Lord's heavens, but the earth has he given to the children of man. Okay, no, just, we just stay there. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Takes me back to a couple of sermons back. Do you guys remember where we spoke about like the save me syndrome, where so much of the church finds themselves in, in the water? God save me, God help me. Um, remember with the analogy of Peter walking on the water? And a, a lot of the church in general find themselves in that spot, sinking, where you, you started in faith, okay? Now, this is what, what Paul writes. We're going to stay on there. Paul writes to the Galatians church. He says, you ran well. Who hindered you? What hindered you? And he also writes in a different chapter, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? He uses really strong words. He says, oh, you senseless, idiotic Galatians, who has bewitched you? And, he, and, and also in another part, he says, you are running well, who hindered you? And the, we find ourselves as a church in this place, and we like to sing songs of like, God help me. God save me, God rescue me, and there's definitely, man, at least 50 times in a week that I pray, Lord, help me, help me, help me, you know, but uh, God's intention for man in the beginning, if you go back, he says, subdue it, have dominion, come on, prosper, look at the first few blessings that God spoke over man, and you'll clearly see from, from what he said that his intention was not to have a bunch of victims, but to have people that are, that are running the place. Amen? Come on. God wants, God wants 
people to run the place. Now we all understand that after the, they ate the mango, that everything went south. Come on, everything. God, God said, because you've done this, the ground is now under a curse. What's quite interesting, though, is if you read uh, in, uh, in the time of Noah, uh, after the flood, he said, I will no longer curse the ground. Very interesting. It's there already in the, in the Old Testament. But how much more were in, in the new? God restoring order because I know we don't see it here, but Hebrews 2 says, um, we are able to see Jesus, okay, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, but he's now crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering death, okay, and he's seated at the right hand. We understand that, okay. Now, the previous verses, verse 8, I think, Hebrews 2, verse 8, just quickly pop it there, Hebrews 2, verse 8. should say something about we do not yet see. For you have put subjection under his feet. Quoting from Psalm chapter 8. Now in putting everything in subjection to man, he left, he left nothing. Say nothing. He left nothing outside of man's control. Okay, so that should address what we were speaking this morning. We like to say God is control is in control. But yeah, he says he left nothing outside of man's control. But at present, we don't see all things subjected to man. Then the next verse says, but we are able to see Jesus. There is a man who is in control. There is a man who has authority over all things. There is a man that has conquered death and has conquered every name that can be mentioned. Every name, every power, every principality, everything that you and I might struggle with, there is a man that has conquered it all. Not, not a demigod. Jesus didn't come as a demigod. Jesus, uh, the Bible says in Philippians 2, come on guys, get excited about this word, this is good. The Bible says in Philippians, I think chapter 2, it says, let the same mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, okay? He was equal. But then it says, he stripped himself of that nature and became a human being. So when Jesus was on earth, although we know he was the word in flesh, he was fully man and fully God, but not 50-50. He came to demonstrate something. He wanted to bring man into a place of dominion. Come on. And I think I'm just at this place. At some point, the church of Jesus has to realize what, what God's intention was from the beginning, or at least from the point of, of the cross, that there is more. There is more. There is more. You know, I love to watch new converts. This weekend, we had a bunch of new converts that came out, people that gave their life to Jesus immediately. There's something about them. There's something about a new convert that understands. You know, it's almost like children. 
They some seem to understand the meaning of life, little kids. But new converts, they think they're invincible. Come on, have you seen that? They think they're untouchable. They like they got this zeal and excitement. If there's an outreach, they're the first to volunteer. Come on. They're the first to volunteer. They're the first to be there. They need an experienced Christian to bring down their faith a bit. Come on, they need someone with experience to tell them to not expect so much. It's true. Because often we, we've, allowed, we've allowed our experience to be the outcome of our, to determine the outcome of our faith. We need to get back to the Word and to, to, to see that. So, we are able to see Jesus and then it says that He might experience death for every individual person. Okay. What we need to really catch is that Jesus became man. Come on. Somebody wrote the book on the divine exchange. God became natural to bring you into a place of divinity. Wow. God became, uh, C.S. Lewis said, the Son of God became the Son of Man, so that the sons of man can become the sons of God. Wow. The Son of God became the Son of Man, so that the sons of man can become sons of God. Surely that looks like something. Surely that looks different than what every uh, other Joe walking around in the street looks like. Surely that makes us different. Like Peter says, that surely that makes us peculiar in every way. You're peculiar. You're different. The way that Hebrews 1 describes Jesus says he's the sole expression of the glory of God, the outradiance of the divine, the perfect imprint of God's nature. And he ran that race and he seated it, and now he, we know he's Son of God, openly revealed as the Son of God. But Romans 8 says, He saw you from the beginning. He foreknew you from the beginning, so that you can be molded into that image. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so let's quickly... Let's have a look. Let's go to to Romans 8 again. I always feel like Romans 8, the the combination of those two words are... I can't help but think of pizza every time I say Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 18. But what of that? I consider that the sufferings of this time, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory. With the glory. We have to listen to this like all of us understand suffering. All of us 
have lost things. All of us have experienced some kind of pain or some kind of, of difficulty. Paul's trying to give some kind of perspective that if you take the pain of everything that you've gone through and that you've had to endure in a moment, he says, if you compare that with the glory that is about to be revealed, it's not even worth mentioning. It's not even worth speaking about all the suffering that you've been through. But God, you know what I've been through. If you get the glory, you're never going to mention it again. Come on, think about that. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear the hope that, that, that God has invited us into. That nothing, no amount of suffering, no amount of pain, everything that, that you could have is not worth even mentioning if you consider the glory that is about to be revealed to us, <laughs> in us. Come on, until someone gets excited. Compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us. Come on, say to me, in me, for me, and on me. <laughs> glory that is, that is coming to you, for you, in you, and on you. That's what God wants to do with God's, God's uh, creation, God's people. That's the kind of redemptive plan that he has for mankind. Wow, I think it's too much. I think it's too much. I think we must close the church now and we must go home and we must just think about that scripture because all that you can see right now is suffering. God, give me eyes to see the glory. Give me eyes to see the hope to which he's called. Maybe you need to pray that. Um, when we don't... It's very... You know how easy it is to be a chef if people are hungry? Come on, I'm going to say it again. You know how easy it is to be a chef if people are hungry? We used to take uh, the, we had a group of, of students every year that we had to work with. And the first thing that we do is we take them on a fast bait camp. Okay, what's a boot camp? We take away their food. For, for a week, and we'd give them, we'd give them each um, like, a, like a, a lucky packet with like canned food, like baked beans and maybe cat food or something serious, okay? And so the idea, the bullshit, the idea was so that they would somehow work together to bring, make more food of it. But I'm telling you, by the, by the end of the week, we take them, when they've completed the week, we take them to a restaurant. I'm telling you, and they, they get to rediscover a burger. Or they get to rediscover food, real food. I sometimes think about the time of COVID when we went through that time. And we realized that we didn't have an option. So, so many of us were so scared the world was coming to an end. And we didn't have an option but God. And you could slowly but surely see people wanting to, how can we get to church? We, we'd have private church services on a farm. I mean, how many of you guys were there? We'd go to a farm and we'd have a church service because people became hungry. People were going through a phosphate camp. Everything is open again. We've got too many options. That's why, why, why God said, concert, oh, God said, Bill Johnson, sorry. 
you this. He said, consider it a blessing when God becomes your only option. When we, I'm telling you, when the church, when we as a church, and this is what you can call revival, when you consider that all the other options that you're going to pursue in life becomes worthless compared to the hope, compared to the glory that's in us, then you know that you're in revival. When you're pursuing the glory, when you're pursuing the hope, I'm not saying quit your jobs and you know, stop being inspired to, to build in your life. What I'm saying is that if we get hungry and we take a scripture like this, you can see the passion that Paul is writing it. He's saying, man, everything that you're going through is not worth being compared with the glory. It's not worth being compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in me, on me, for me, and all the other options as well. Next verse, verse 19. Creation waits. Creation waits. Creation waits. All nature waits expectantly and longs for God's sons to be made known. If you are also waiting and you think that the ultimate is if you die and go to heaven, how's creation going to witness that? Because you're not here. This glory that God is speaking about is something that becomes visible in you, on you, for you. If you think that the ultimate in Christianity is to give your life to Jesus and then to die and go to heaven, that's, that's God's redemptive plan. No, God's redemptive plan is to bring and put man back into control, back in authority, back into a place of, of where righteousness prevails, where, where the earth is run well. If it's just about dying and going to heaven, then creation will never witness what it looks like for God's sons to be made known. Come on, think about that. If it's all about dying and going to heaven, then creation will never witness that. And don't tell me that it's witnessing it now. Come on, don't tell me that what creation sees in the church right now is what that scripture is speaking about. Say, something's got to change in me. I need to change. Oh, okay. I'm just going to say it. I need to change. Come on, I need to change. Point to the person next to you and say, you have to change. You have to change. You're going to change. The scripture just gets more intense. Because the next verse says, the next verse says, for creation was subject to frailty. Please go listen to two weeks back, preach the message on this verse. Was subject to, to frailty. Let me, let me maybe just explain what frailty is. We run our lives on frailty, on futility, on vanity, if you read the different scriptures. We understand what the word says. It says, all flesh is like grass. It, it has a beauty, and then it, its beauty fades and dies. So we've, we've set up our life to look like this. Go to school, get an education, right? 
if you finish school, further your education, go study. Go study. Hopefully you'll find the right partner. And if you find the right partner, you'll have kids. And now you begin to make sure that their school is paid and that they can have an education. And then your life goes and it starts to fade away. That's what life looks like without Jesus. That's purpose without Jesus. Come on. Is that, what, is that where your, your goals are? Where's your aim today? Where's our aim today? No. There's got to be... Let's read it. Creation was subject to frailty, condemned to frustration, not because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it with hope. Okay, just hold on. I'm doing a lot of teaching today, but let's quickly go to verse 19 in the King James. I want you to see the change in, excuse me, verse 20 in the King James. Forgive me, Donata. The creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Now, this scripture has been debated about who subjected creation. Because if you, if you see this, the emphasis of him, there is a small letter. Some people have made a reference to Adam there and not to God. That it wasn't God who subjected creation, it was Adam. The Amplified Translation, okay, let me just uh, read the last sentence. By reason of him, because of him, because of, because of Adam who subjected. But if you read the, in the Amplified We'll say it differently. I think either, either of them can be right. It says, but by the will of him who subjected it, yet with the hope. Now, what hope is he speaking about? Next verse. That nature itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and corrupt and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children. What a beautiful scripture. That even creation has hope, a redeemed hope, a redeeming hope. And that's why I believe that things, things will ultimately get better, but only, only when the church of Jesus uh, gets an appetite for the freedom, loses the, uh, tries to get rid of the grip of corruption, bondage, and of the whole world's system. We were talking about this on Friday, how, how the whole world is now being um, programmed to run on a system. Hospitals are run on a system. The, uh, uh, I spoke to a lawyer who's got like a law firm, law firm a run on a system. Uh, if you watch like Elon Musk was talking about AI, you know, beginning to to take over all over, and you're saying it can be a good thing, it can be a really bad thing. The bad, the bad thing, I'm telling you it's a bad thing, because every system doesn't have a heart. It doesn't have a heart. That's why if you, and, and some of our churches are run on systems. It's, it's really sad. 
You go into a place and you find someone with a soul and with a heart. Um, if you go to a doctor that cares, how many of you guys love doctors that care? Walk into a doctor's room and they care, care about you, as opposed to going to a doctor that's just run by a system. Yeah, that's just what I do. But people that have, that have heart, people that, that feel, people that... Now, God wants, wants Christians, believers, to understand that their calling is not just to die and go to heaven. It's actually to bring redemption in those areas. Come on, man, to bring redemption. Uh, Okert is not here today, but he blessed me so much. You guys have heard me often say, come on, man, we need people that are lawyers. We need people that are doctors. We need engineers. We need mechanics. We need... And he basically said what I've been trying to say, but word, phrased it better. He said, God is not calling you to be a doctor. God is not calling you to be um, a mechanic or a, or a teacher. Or God, you're never going to be identified, according to the Lord, as a doctor or as a teacher. You are a, a son. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. And you happen to be in the field of teaching. Or you happen to be in the field of being a doctor. Yes, today you're called into that space. Why your identity is you're a son of God. We need to get believers to believe. I need to, I'm, I'm pretty much done. But imagine, imagine the church can believe the word. I think everyone will agree that this kind of message is not something that you hear preached in the church often, in, a, in average. This kind of message you don't hear. I wonder how many people believe what the Word says. We, by nature, should be believers, not reasoners. We reason. Did you, have you ever seen how the, the, the disciples used to reason everything that Jesus said? He had, to, he had to constantly convict them because they were reasoning in their hearts and saying, yeah, but where will we get money? And, and, and Jesus just said, why are you reason? You're supposed to be believing. When we preach the message, it sounds like I'm fighting with you guys. I'm not fighting with anyone. Now, when we preach the message, if, if we really believe that, man, Something's, something's got to change in, uh, in us. Something's got to, it's got to produce something. It's got to produce some kind of appetite. It's got to produce a, a hunger to, to bring. We should actually just read, read on. Okay, verse 21. You can leave the music on the screen. Works. I feel like we want to send. Then you believe. Let's read it. This is when you hear. Creation was subject to frailty, not because of some intentional fault in its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it with the hope that creation will be set free from its bondage to decay and corrupt and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children. 
we know that the whole creation has been moaning together in the pains of labor until now. And that, that, that scripture has got like a prophetic side to it. Because the time it was written was about 2,000 years ago, more or less. And then he said, creation has been moaning in pains of labor until now. Well, 2,000 years later, it's still been moaning. That now is what you call revival. That now is what you call the awakening. That now is like what Paul writes in Ephesians 1 Corinthians. He says, arise, wake up from your sleep. Wake up, wake up. Because that word now is at some point going to become really now. And it's going to be the end of a certain amount of suffering. Okay? Now, I like the word now then. Because it doesn't say until then. Until that day. Until that day when God comes and fixes everything. Until that day when, no, until now. Okay? We as a church, we like to postpone everything. You know, one day, one day, one day it's going to happen. Then it's going to happen. What happens if it happens now? What about now? What about we make a decision to live in my life? What does it look like to manifest as a son of God? Now, surely I can't hold on to my bitterness anymore. Surely I can't hold on to my offense, my hatred for people around me. Surely I can find joy in what I'm doing. Surely I can be the difference where I am. Because if we don't have that, you sell an opportunity to deal and if you have kind of thing, that, that hope until now, you're going to keep on in this cycle of what I said, go to work, pay your company, pay your bills, pay your kids' education, and you make your way to pension until you graduate to the main university. <laughs> or, it comes a change, Lord, you died to give me an inheritance. My name is on the wall. My name is on the testament. You died to give me more than what is expected by most people. Now, complete manifestation of a son of God. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know. I can't tell you. I can't tell you what it looks like. I have an idea. But if I if I if I postpone everything for one day, I'm gonna live a powerless life. Paul already says, hey, there's a glory that's going to be revealed in you for In this hope we were saved. Oh, verse 23, sorry. And not only creation, but we ourselves too, and we enjoy the first fruits of the Spirit, a foretaste of the blissful things to come. We groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies. 
when Jesus, when Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, the Bible says that he was groaning. Uh, others, the, if you do the study, it says he was like making the sounds of a horse. He says he was, he was making stra- strange noises. I don't know if you've ever just got to this cry and say, Lord, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than this. Oh God, maybe you don't know how to pray, but it's like, God, oh God, there's got to be more. God, all the things that I'm going through, all the suffering that's there's got to be more. Well, the Bible says that that's groanings. We groan, it's a cry out for the revealing of then it speaks about the hope and everything like that. Anyway, I can go on for days. I can go on for forever on this. 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Next verse says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now. Now. Now, 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 now the second goes for Now, now the second goes Now, again, I'm going to wake up. Now, now, now. I'm going to keep waiting for things to be spoken. And the time is going. There, there is a morning for love. It's time for me to hunger to pursue more. To pursue more. We were made by Him. We were made for Him. We were made to walk on water, not to sink like the natural. We were made to be above. We were designed for Christ has been our forerunner, given us an example, and He's calling you today. Come above. Come above. Father, right now, as we hear these words, Lord Jesus, we pray for a quickening in our spirits. We pray for a quickening in our souls. Father, that where we have compromised truth, watered down the gospel to live a a purposeless or powerless life. Father, you said that every day of our life is recorded in your book. I know that what you've called these people, what you've called us for, is greater than average. It's greater than the natural. It's more. It's above. It's beyond. Open our eyes. Help us see what we see in spirit today. Help us catch just a glimpse of of one of that calling that you said Ephesians 1 the hope to which you've called us that how glorious is this inheritance in the saints and I begin to speak to everybody's purpose everybody's destiny you're not a failure you're a son of God you're not just a teacher you're a son of God you are a co-heir of Christ joint seated with him above all not because of anything that you've done, but because of what He's done. He did it, you get to to walk in it. I speak to your destiny. 
I speak to your purpose. I speak to your week in Jesus' name that there'll be redemption, that, that people's lives will be aligned with Jesus into the right paths because you're there, because you're there in Jesus' name. Jesus name help us be mindful of the glory help us be mindful of the hope thank you that by nature we're believers and not reasoners and not reasoners we thank you father for a church that believes a church that believes in Jesus name amen well, I trust that message blessed you. Please feel free to contact us for any prayer requests or feedback. We would love to connect with you. You can follow the Word Church Kimberly on any social media platform and become a part of our online community. Be blessed. Be blessed.